wake up All you who sleep Wake up Arise from the dead Wake up Messiah will shine Wake up And walk in the light Well, hello everyone. This is Banner and welcome to the Root of Truth podcast. Thank you for joining me. It's been a while uh, since I've uh, been on and uh, lots of things going on in our lives. Uh, with my family, um, I'm working on finishing this book uh, about uh, my daughter's testimony. My daughter Laura Payne, who uh, passed away last year from cancer, uh, we're uh, I'm hoping to have that done here soon. It's in editing right now. Been working on a new uh, uh, several new songs uh, being uh, recorded, and uh, we're well into that. Uh, hopefully, uh, some of those songs that are going to be part of this book release. Uh, will uh, happen here in the next couple of months, but uh, I'll let you know more about that as we as we get into it. Uh, but uh, lots of things been going on. Uh, I ended up with uh, COVID back in January. It was actually late December, early January. I dealt with it, and then that ended up uh, uh, affecting my thyroid. And uh, long story short, uh, that there was a bit, there was a bunch of up and downs trying to get that regulated again. But uh, it's summertime uh, and um, uh, feeling a lot better. Uh, I have a little bit more time uh, to to delve back in. I've been thinking about a lot of things, and I think maybe I wasn't even quite ready uh, to begin uh, this uh, uh, the podcast to, to reboot it. But uh, I believe I am now. So uh, th- what I'm going to do, and not, we're not going to get into that today, but I'm going to be going through the book of Galatians, the letter of Paul to the Galatians, uh, Shaul as uh, his Hebrew name. Uh, and um, uh, But uh, I've gone through that uh, several times, actually, but uh, officially recorded a study on it at least twice, maybe three times before. But going back through it again and looking at it with fresh eyes and uh, and having come out of the fog of where I was at, I think being influenced uh, too heavily by what is known as the Hebrew Roots Movement, I think I missed some things. Uh, and there's a balance to all things, and uh, and uh, hopefully looking into it and and allowing what Paul wrote to speak for itself is what we're going to do with that. But first, today there's something that that I've been looking at now for the past oh probably a couple of months that's just really been uh, very eye-opening to me, and it is uh, who uh, Messiah is, uh, Yeshua, Yahusha. Um, uh, or uh, if you uh, call him Jesus, uh, that was the name I called on when I was saved. I'm not getting into a study on the name right now. Um, you know, that's something I believe he will reveal. There is a lot of information out there. There's some things that we know for a fact. There's some things we don't know for a fact. Uh, I don't believe anybody, uh, to my knowledge, uh, knows exactly how to pronounce his name. Uh, the vowel points... Uh, you know, that were added by the Masoretes. Um We didn't have those. They weren't in the original. And and so I don't know that we know how to uh, pronounce it, but I know that one day he will reveal his name. So, uh, and I count on that. But, and that, I guess that kind of sets up what, what I've been thinking about because 
I've been thinking about, uh, you know, when Messiah came, why did he come? Well, we know that he came uh, to pay the price, the penalty for our sin, you know, that we inherited from our first, uh, uh, our parent, our foreparent Adam, because of his dis- disobedience in the garden. Uh, you know, we know that the scripture tells us that through the first Adam came death because of that sin, but through the second Adam came life. And so we know that uh, Messiah uh, came uh, to pay that penalty, and then he was resurrected, and he gave us of his new life to share. But then uh, that abundant life that we have, because he ascended to the Father, he said that he would send the Comforter. He would send his Spirit to come and live in us and to lead us into all truth, the Spirit of truth. And as I've considered that, uh, I've considered it for a number of years, just trying to, to ascertain exactly the role of the Spirit even before uh, uh, Messiah came as a man and accomplished what he did. But because uh, I think there's way more to it than we realize. I think he was active in ways that we've discounted prior to uh, the coming of Messiah. But what I want to look at now is the fact that he that he did come, did come, he did die, he rose again, he ascended the Father, sent the Spirit, and the Spirit has a role to play in our lives. That uh, because it's His Spirit, so He has this role to play. Things like Ephesians two that tells us that we are His workmanship, created in Messiah. Uh, for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, and uh, it's his work in our lives that uh, that we have to uh, allow to happen in order to walk this walk uh, in obedience. Uh, and so understanding that uh, brings me to, uh, you know, trying to trying to, you know, dig down deep and say uh, and see what it's really saying. So what it's saying is Messiah, who we are uh, told in Scripture is our rabbi, meaning our teacher, and we are his disciples, which means taught ones. Okay, so uh, he taught his disciples when they walked with him, when he came and walked this earth as a man. But now with his spirit in us, we have an even greater relationship because now the spirit of Messiah is in us, teaching us and leading us into all truth. So uh, as I think about that more, I think, then why do I listen so much to men who tell me how to live this life and how I'm supposed to walk, uh, how I'm supposed to be obedient to the commandments? Because that is a role that he plays, because the new covenant tells us he, he will put his uh, instruction in our hearts, write it in, on our hearts, put it in our minds and cause us to walk in them. Again, begs the question, why then do we uh, uh, base our walk on how people, you know, interpret the commandments and, and uh, tell us how we're supposed to walk in them if we have the rabbi, the living word, the living instruction, the living Torah dwelling in us, revealing all truth and causing us to walk in his commandments, which I believe are real time. I don't believe they're relegated just to what we read about uh, in the first five books and specifically, you know, the uh, the things that that Moses gave. Uh, and I'm not discounting those. Don't get me wrong, because I know I, I, I've already kind of weighed th- uh, through this and, and realized that I'm going to probably make enemies on both sides of the religious camp from traditional Christianity to the Hebrew Roots Movement. And uh, that's OK. I just want to I just want to see what's really here, folks. And I want to hear from him 
And that's the main thing. And I want people who are listening, I want you to hear from him. That, that's what you need to do. You must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom. You cannot perceive. You cannot understand the kingdom of Elohim, the reign of Elohim, the kingdom of God. And that reign is the reign in our lives, his, his rulership in our lives. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so I was looking at something. Uh, and I'll cut to the chase here a little bit. Um, I was looking uh, in Matthew 19, and this is the place where um, uh, they came to him and uh, they, they asked him a question, the Pharisees. They said, uh, that, is it right for a man to put away his wife for every reason? That's verse 3 of chapter 19. He answering said to them, did you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, for this cause... A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what Elohim or God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, they said to Messiah, why then did Moshe or Moses command to give a certificate of divorce? He said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moshe allowed you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So that verse right there really uh, leapt off the page at me when he, when he said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to put away your, your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Which brings into, uh, to my mind what uh, John writes in uh, John chapter 1. Uh, when he says uh, that in the beginning was the word and uh, that word, well, let me just go to it and read it. That way I don't want to paraphrase it and mess it up and cause somebody to jump all over me and tell me I'm taking scripture out of context. Uh, John 1, Johannan 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with Elohim and the word was Elohim. Uh, or God. He was in the beginning with Elohim, with God, and all came to be through him, and without him not even one came to be that came to be, and him was life, and the life was the light of men, light shines in the darkness, darkness has not overcome it, uh, and it goes on and on and on, but basically it's talking about the living word. He's talking about Messiah here, the Messiah who came, the living word, okay? Uh, so when uh, here in, in 19, Excuse me, when he says, uh, Moshe allowed you to put away your wives, but from the beginning, with the living word that was from the beginning, it was not so. So I thought, okay, so there's a distinction here. Uh, and that distinction between Moses, who was a, a, a true man of Elohim, used for the time, and was uh, a prophet, and uh, was told himself that he was the, uh, he was the prophet that... Um, uh, that the, the coming Messiah was, would be patterned after. He said, there will be one, I will raise up one like you, and to him the people will have to listen to, meaning Messiah. So, uh, uh, I mean, there, there are countless verses uh, that, uh, you know, Hebrews 1, that it, it contrasts him to the prophets and to the messengers, the angels. But eventually, as he, he continues into that portion of Hebrews, and I'm trying to turn to it here now, and I keep kind of fidgeting past the page. But, yeah, okay, Hebrews uh, chapter 1, Elohim uh, having of old spoken in uh, many uh, portions and in many ways to the fathers by the prophets. And these last days is spoken to us by a son whom he has appointed heir of all through whom also he made the ages. So as we continue to read here in Hebrews, I mean, he, he contrasts him to 
to the angels and and uh, finally he gets over into chapter three and uh, then it, it, he he gets I believe he drills right down to uh, a central core issue of the greatness and uh, eminence of Messiah. He says, verse 1, chapter 3, Hebrews, Therefore set apart brothers, partakers of the heavenly calling, closely consider the emissary and high priest of our confession, Messiah, Yahusha, that being, uh, in other words, Christ Jesus, who was trustworthy to him, uh, who appointed him, as also Moshe or Moses and all his house. For this one has been deemed worthy of more esteem than Moses as much as he who built the house enjoys more respect than the house, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all is Elohim. Moses indeed was trustworthy in all his house's servant for a witness of what would be spoken, but Messiah as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the boldness and boasting of the expectation to the end. And uh, the book of Hebrews is a, is a book of reformation or restoration, uh, and it's about the restoration of Messiah. Uh, as our great high priest on the order of Melchizedek, which actually uh, flies in the face of what is written in the Torah uh, because he would not be able to be a high priest here on earth uh, uh, unless he was, uh, according to what was given in the Torah, given to Moses, given to the people, unless he was a Levite, and he actually wasn't a Levite. So th that get, brings up a whole lot of questions here. So... So there has been a change. It says there was a change in the law, a change in the instructions uh, because Messiah came uh, in the book of Hebrews. And so um, I begin to think about this uh, because, uh, I mean, throughout the word, we see where it says the word came to the prophets, uh, the word being Messiah. So Messiah came and, uh, and he begins to deal with them uh, in a way that... Um, you know that 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 they they weren't used to. I mean, he was he was coming against them uh, with all of their rules and regulations because they were left in themselves to interpret Torah by themselves. It didn't work out. The only one who can interpret Torah properly is the Messiah Himself. And uh, so, uh, you know, for example, uh, Matthew five. We quote this a lot. Do not think I came to destroy the Torah and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to complete. Uh, and we've talked about this before, where it says uh, the word being plerul, uh, which can mean fully preach. Wow, think about that. You know, he didn't come to do the do away with the, the Torah and the prophets, but he came to fully proclaim them in a way they had never been proclaimed before. Uh, so uh, uh, keep that in mind. The living word came to proclaim the truth in a way that had never been proclaimed before. And uh, I believe that's what he's doing to his believers. If we will just block out the other voices and begin to listen to him. Uh, so another portion of scripture came to my mind. Uh, chapter 23 of Matthew. Then uh, Yahusha or Yeshua or Yeshua or Jesus, uh, whatever name you use to uh, refer to him, spoke to the crowds and is taught once, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses. Therefore, whatever they say to you to, to guard, guard and do, but do not do according to the works, for they say and they do not do. The seat of Moses is an interesting thing because that was the seat that Moses sat on to judge, to give the right ruling, the judgment to the people. And um, so uh, uh, that uh, seat of Moses isn't for a man to sit in any longer 
Uh, now Messiah sits on his throne. He is the one who brings judgment and right ruling and interpretation and revelation and, and leading us into all truth, revealing all truth and causing us to walk in the commandments. And I believe they're the commandments and he gives us some real time. Again, not relegated just to the letter of what's been written, not, not uh, negating those things that have been written, but he's talking about real time, how he deals with things and how he sees things that we can't see it the way he does. And we'll get into that part here just in a few minutes uh, as to how that works. But first, I want to go back to Exodus. And let's go to Exodus chapter 19, uh, first of all, which is very interesting. There's, there's a couple of things here that I'm still trying to work through, sort through and understand. But in Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus 20, uh, we see the giving of the Ten Commandments. Here's an interesting note. And you can look this up for yourself. I don't have those references at my hand right now. But the Ten the Ten Words, or the Ten Commandments, as we call them, were the only ones that were put in the Ark of the Covenant, number one. And number two, it is specifically said that they are the words of the covenant that were given. Okay, so the Ten, specifically the Ten. And so after giving the Ten, and then the people are afraid, and they don't want to approach, and they stand at a distance, and and uh, they uh, they don't want to hear any more. They're scared. And so they say, Moses, you go and you you hear what he has to say and you bring it back and you tell us because uh, we're afraid we're going to die. And so here's what happens in chapter 21, beginning in verse one. Uh, This is uh, the lawgiver himself, which I believe is Messiah. Uh, But it's very uh, uh, we know this for a fact. It's Elohim. It's God. Right. And uh, and if we believe scripture, we know that Messiah uh, Yeshua, Yahusha, uh, Jesus is God, right? And so he's speaking here and he says, these are the right rulings which you are to set before them. And then we begin to read all of these things that they had to deal with at, in their relationship with one another and with the people around them and the land that they were going into occupy. It was a, them in their time where they were at. And so he's told he's told Moses here that I want to I want you to give them these right rulings. You lay you put these judgments down before them. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to walk. All right. Now, let's move on to. um, uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter or no, let's go to Isaiah uh, nine, Isaiah nine. Here we go. Isaiah nine. This is the prophecy of the coming Messiah. And um, picking up in verse 6, going to read verse uh, 6 and 7 here of Isaiah 9. For a child is born unto us, a son is given unto us, and the rule is on his shoulder. And his name is called Wonder, Counselor, Strong, Ale, or Strong God, Strong Mighty One, Father of Continuity, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his rule and peace there is no end upon the throne of David and over his reign to establish it and sustain it with right ruling and with righteousness from now on, even forever, the ardor of Yahweh of hosts does this. So right ruling when Messiah was to come was to be transferred to him because he is the only one with with true right ruling. And so we know that he did come. And we also know it talks about lifting this. uh, Let's see, where where does it say this? Um, uh, 
uh, born unto us a son, and the rule is on his shoulder. Now think about this. There were There's a lot of burden on man to try to figure this out and try to tell us how to live, try to keep the peace and keep unity uh, by laying down rules <clears throat> that everybody has to adhere to to make that happen. Uh, but the rule is on his shoulder, and unity comes through the Spirit, right? And so if we're all hearing the Spirit who is giving this right ruling, the Spirit of Messiah himself, then there can be unity because we know that it is that unity of the Spirit. There can't be unity in uh, man's rules and regulations interpreting the commandments of Torah. It can't be. It can't happen because uh, out of every faction comes different ways of doing it. How many different calendars are there out there? How many different uh, uh, ideas or concepts or uh, mandates as to when Sabbath begins and Sabbath ends and what you're supposed to do on Sabbath and on and on and on and things like that. It only comes through uh, the unity of the spirit by hearing his voice. So right ruling has been given to him now. uh, So that makes some sense out of Matthew 19 uh, where uh, he said, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But from the beginning, according to the living word, it was not so. So that's an interesting thing, too, because we can look at, uh, you know, we talk about freedom, and I believe we are free. And when we get into Galatians, we'll look at that even in uh, in more detail because I think Paul really, uh, really speaks to that. Uh, there is a freedom. We're no longer under the tutor, which is the Torah. But uh, the, the interesting thing is that we can't uh, use that freedom as a wide road that we can choose our own path. That's not it either. So it is a freedom that is a wide space, but it's also very narrow because uh, it is according to the living Torah himself, the living word, Messiah, uh, the spirit of truth to lead us and guide us into how we are individually supposed to walk according to the commandments. And he's giving those commandments right now. And those commandments that he gives may not look the way you think they should look or the way I think they should look in practice. Uh, It's what he says that matters, right? Okay, so now uh, having said that, I want to go to another portion of scripture here. And this is the story about uh, when the disciples were going through uh, the fields and picking grain to eat on the Sabbath. So let's just read it, beginning in chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 1. At that time, uh, Yahusha, Jesus, went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his, and his taught ones were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your taught ones are doing what's not right to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he went into the house of Elohim and ate the showbread, which was not right for him to eat, not for those who were with him, uh, nor for those who uh, were with him, but only for the priest. Listen to what he said there. When they asked him, Why are your taught ones doing what's not right? On the Sabbath, he didn't come back and say, no, what they're doing is right. It's it's keeping the, the, the Torah command exactly. You, you know, you, your accusation has no merit. That's not what he says. He gives him the story of David who ate the showbread that was not right for him to eat. And David gave it to the men with him and they ate it. And it wasn't right for them to eat either. Okay, so what he's saying is what David did was not right according to the written letter of the Torah. 
And then he goes on in verse 5 and says, so Did you not read in the Torah that on the Sabbath the priest in the set-apart place profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the set-apart place. And if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not offering, you would not have condemned the blameless for the son of Adam, the son of Adam, is master of the Sabbath. This is what the father said when he spoke about his son. The spirit descending on him is, this is my son. Hear him. This was spoken when, uh, when uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son. Hear him. This is the prophecy realized of, 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 uh, that was told to Moses. I will raise up one like you. And to him, the people will listen. They are to give obedience to Okay, now, so having put all that together, think about this again. Now, what, according to man and uh, the uh, regulations that they had arrived at as to how to keep Torah, how to keep the Sabbath that's contained in the Torah, the, uh, the instructions of Sabbath, they had added to them. And so that uh, uh, they could uh, keep order. I'm sure that's how it began, to keep order. But then it became just a heavy, weighty burden. There was just no kind of leeway whatsoever. Uh, as you know, in when, uh, when the Messiah healed the man who was crippled and told him to pick up his bed and walk, it was on the Sabbath and they were convicting. They, they were overlooking the whole compassion of Messiah who healed this man on the Sabbath. Uh, they were focused on, well, he shouldn't have picked up his bed, and Messiah told him to pick up his bed, so that's against Torah, and they, they're ready to kill him for that. Um, we don't know how to keep Torah, folks. We don't know how to keep the Sabbath. We have a few things given about not working, but beyond that, what does that all mean? Instead of a group of men like the Pharisees did, the scribes did, who sat in the seat of Moses, now we have men that are, are, whether they will admit it or not, are sitting in the seat of Moses in congregations and assemblies all over the place. And they're telling people, for us, this is, gonna, this is how you do it. And they begin to judge and then they begin to condemn. And then the, the people are forced out or people uh, throw up their hands and walk away. Uh, or there, there, there's, there's a, a spirit of heaviness and fear and, and all kinds of things like that that happen, just like what's happening here. And uh, it takes Messiah off the throne, off his seat uh, of being able to give that right ruling and judgment that is alone his. Look, here's the thing. Uh, again, Sabbath is one of the biggest ones, I believe. And now it's become his name as well. What, how to say his name. But, but particularly we're talking about Sabbath right now. And all of the rules and all the regulations that that each assembly or each group puts forth uh, as to, you know, Sabbath begin at sundown. Does it go to sundown to sundown? Does it begin in the morning? Go to morning to morning? Is it a daytime only? Morning to evening? All of those kinds of things. And then begin to enforce that rule. Uh, enforce exactly what it means to rest on Sabbath. This is These are the regulations. You don't go beyond them. You don't go do that. Well, what if Messiah told you to go do that? What if he told you to go do that? What if then he calls you blameless because just like David did when he took the bread and ate it, that was not right according to the, the written letter of the Torah, but according to the Spirit, it was right. Messiah called, it blame, called him blameless. 
He called the priests blameless who profaned the Sabbath and the very uh, duties that they did on the Sabbath. And then he said his uh, disciples who went through the grain fields picking the grain to eat were blameless. He didn't say that they were right according to the letter of the Torah. He said they were blameless because he, the master of the Sabbath, told them they were blameless. He called them blameless. We don't know what we don't know, folks. Let's don't pretend that we do. And let's, let's, and, and again, I want to say this once again, because the, the far other side, what we've referred to in the past, like is greasy grace, you know, where we're, we have grace uh, and that means we can do what we want to do. We can go where we want to. We can choose what day we do this on. We can, you know, on and on and on and on and on. That's not true either. If you are a taught one of Messiah, you've been bought and paid for with the price, then he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me as to what we are supposed to do. It may not look like the written letter of the Torah always, but we better make sure it's what he told us, not our own opinion, because our own opinion is the same as the opinions of the groups of, of men in leadership who also are sitting on the seat of Moses and saying, this is how you do it. When we do, when we take that authority and sit on the seat of Moses in our own lives and decide this is what's right and this is what's wrong, we've blown it once again, folks, because the only one who can do that and deliver right ruling, de- deliver the true judgment on things to reveal all truth is the spirit of Messiah himself who indwells uh, the, the life of a, of a believer who has been born again. The spirit reborn that was been dead from from the uh, from the very beginning when we were, you know, as as uh, descendants of Adam, we were born with a dead spirit that had to be made alive by the spirit of uh, the set apart spirit of Elohim of God uh, so that we can have communion and, and be able to hear his voice and have relation that he might live in us and cause us to walk in the truth and do the things that please him by belief, by belief in Messiah and hearing his voice hearing comes by faith and and uh uh that hearing is uh the word hearing the word the word speaks he is a person he is elohim he is god he is messiah the spirit the spirit of truth so that's uh that's kind of where I'm at with this, uh, folks. A lot of things are changing in my heart and in my life. And, and on one hand, there's such freedom in it because, uh, because I feel the, the burden of man's regulation uh, being lifted off of me. But at the same time, I feel more of an uh, of a, um, urgency to shut out all those, uh, those other voices and not listen to my own, but to listen for him to listen for him, for, for his voice. So I'm going to leave you with one more thing before uh, I uh, uh, close out for today. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, interesting stuff. You're beginning, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read this whole uh, uh, chapter to you. Are we beginning to com- uh, recommend ourselves again, or do we need some letters of recommendation to you or from you? You are our letter, having been written in our hearts, known and read by all men, making it obvious that you are a letter of Messiah, served by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living Elohim, not on tablets of stone, but on fleshly tablets of the heart. See the contrast there. It's the the stone tablets that were written before. It's not just there, folks. It's written on our hearts by the spirit of Messiah. Those 10, 
the tenets, the uh, words of the covenant written on our hearts, okay? Uh, the born-again uh, hearts that we have, all right? So then moving on. And such trust we have toward Elohim through the Messiah that we are not competent in ourselves to reckon any as from ourselves, but our competence is from Elohim, who also made us competent as servants of a renewed covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Hear that? Who made us competent as servants of a new covenant, not a renewed covenant. Uh, I want to reinforce that. I'm reading from the ISR, and I think I read it just as it was written on their pages. But it's not a renewed covenant, folks. It's a brand new covenant. And it's not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. He goes on and says, But if the administering of death in letters engraved on stones was esteemed, so that the children of Israel were unable to look steadily at the face of Moshe or Moses because of the esteem of his face which was passing away, how much more esteemed shall the administering of the Spirit not be? For if the administering of condemnation had esteemed, the administering of righteousness exceeds much more in esteem. For indeed, that, uh, for indeed what was made esteemed had no esteem in this respect in view of the esteem that excels. For if that which is passing away was esteemed much more that which remains in esteem. How, uh, having then such expectation, we use much boldness of speech, not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel should not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were hard, hardened. For to this day, when the old covenant is read, is being read, that same veil remains. That veil remains. It's not lifted. So in reading the old covenant and reading the words of uh, the, the, what we call the Torah, what is called Torah, the instructions, when we read those words, there's a veil over us. And it, you can't see it. You don't understand it. And you're not hearing his voice. But... Uh, that veil remains not lifted because in Messiah it's taken away. But to this day, when Moses is being read, a veil lies on the heart. But here it is. And when one turns to the master, to the Messiah, the veil is taken away. Now, uh, Yahweh is the spirit. And where the spirit of Yahweh is, there is freedom. And we all, as with unveiled face, we see as in a mirror, the esteem of Yahweh are being transformed into the same likeness from esteem to esteem, as from Yahweh, the Spirit. Folks, I want you to think about that uh, and, uh, and begin to shut out those other voices. It's okay for us to encourage one another, love one another, worship together, uh, and to uh, exhortation. But that exhortation uh, has to be, you need to hear the voice of Messiah. Look, the things we need to watch out for, look, look in Galatians, what it, call, what it talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the works of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit. See what it says. Those are the things that that uh, should be evident. Those are the things that we look at. Those are the things that should be evident in our lives. It's not uh, uh, that we uh, keep Sabbath exactly the way that we think we're supposed to keep it, or the group that we're in uh, is supposed to keep it. Uh, it may not always look that way, but. We need to hear him. And again, do not use this as an occasion for the flesh. It says that in Galatians chapter 5. Don't use your freedom as an occasion for the flesh. So think about all of these things. Meditate on it. Uh, and until next time, when we begin the book of Galatians, uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to The Root of Truth. This is Banner. Goodbye. Wake up. 
Wake up.